0: One of the things that I've been conscious of doing over the last few months is digging really deeply into some of the fundamentals of the faith, things that are simple. I don't know if you've noticed, often it's the really simple things that we can most easily lose touch with. It's the very simplicity sometimes that makes them elusive. And one of the things that i wanted to do, because I feel that the situation that we're in right now, I think it requires, I think, a world that, that is... Um, beset with greater sense of instability and, and even the internal instability that we, that we experience. I feel that it's important then for us to get ourselves really firmly rooted into uh, the core aspects of our faith, to come back to the central elements of our faith and really be reminded what it's all about. And we have regular reminders that... Our world is very broken, that we are broken people living in a broken world. And there are three key virtues that Paul in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 speaks about faith, hope and love these are the three things, the three virtues, the three characteristics that we absolutely need that are going to carry us through this. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke about love and and, uh, how that love for God first is like putting, as we put God in the centre, it's putting ourselves in the right orbit and that then enables us uh, to love others. I've spoken previously about hope as well and this relates very much to the situation that we're in. As I said, broken people live in a broken world, it's not that the world is primarily bad. The tragedy here is that something good is being corrupted, exploited, misused. It's this sense of uh, this is the this is the issue too. In in bereavement, it's the sense that something wonderful is is lost, and we live, therefore, in the midst of tragedy. In many respects, we live in a tragic situation. But God is doing something about this. And we're we're actually not meant to like it. God has a plan of salvation. He is reconciling people to himself through Christ. And he will ultimately make all things new. But right now, this is the thing. It's still broken. As I said, we're not meant to like it the way that it is. John says in his letter, do not love the world. Hope, as I've defined it, and as the scripture defines it, I should say, is this longing, this anticipation for what God is bringing about. To be without hope, you know, we talk about being without hope. It's one of the most terrible things. Uh, It's to lose sight of anything beyond the situation that, that we're in. And you could lose hope, in terms of not seeing anything outside of the situation you're in. But there's another, even more common, I would suggest, way of losing hope. And that is losing hope by being too connected, by almost liking the situation that you're in too much so that you don't anticipate anything beyond the here and now. And this is... Uh, I think, a situation that we face now. We can expect, we can feel entitled, perhaps even entitled for this to be heaven right now. But you see, we're not in heaven yet. We have a taste of this by the Holy Spirit. We have a taste of this. But this is meant to increase our sense of dissatisfaction with the world the way that it is now. And it's meant to connect us with what God is doing. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, Verse 23 and 24, we ourselves, he says, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, he says, we were saved. And this brings me then to faith. To navigate this world, you need to recognize what's most important love God, love others. You must not lose your anticipation of what God is bringing about. Don't get lulled into liking this too much, being too at home here. Live as aliens and strangers in the world. That's that's important. That's hope. But you also need faith. Paul says in uh and I'm talking about the Apostle Paul who wrote uh, a number of books in the New Testament, says in Romans 1.17, and he's quoting from an Old Testament book called Habakkuk, he says, the righteous will live by faith. Now, what I want to do today is point you to a deeper faith. I want to talk about a deeper faith. For many people, faith tends to be a matter of believing enough to get the things that you want from God. You know, if I believe enough, then I'll get the things that I want from God. Now, let me be clear. God does want us to rely on Him for the things that we need. And that's an aspect of faith, relying on God. But there's an immature approach to faith that focuses on getting things from God that makes it something like, now I, have, I don't know if you've heard of this, but it makes it something like manifesting. Have you ever heard, you've been hearing people speaking about this, it comes from uh, a book uh, called The Secret by um, Rhonda Byrne. And it's manifesting, according to this book, is the ability to use the power of your mind to change and create the reality that you want. You know, famously, Jim Carrey uh, says, that, the comedian Jim Carrey says that he manifested his career into being at one point early in his career. He wrote out for himself a $10 million check, you know, as a way of, you know, I'm going to manifest. It's like, it's, and, and they talk about as like, a, in, in, you know, as faith, actually. And it's like this, and sometimes faith actually, I think, can be falsely understood as something like manifesting. Uh, it's seen as sometimes as this kind of mental power that you have, but this is actually not what faith is. Faith, let's be clear, faith is a God given conviction and a spirit inspired willingness to entrust oneself to God and his purpose. Faith isn't primarily about getting things from God. It is about you giving yourself to God. You'll often hear me talk about faith in terms of us entrusting ourselves to God. Lest we just think, you know, because, um, you know, the Bible makes it very clear that we are reconciled to God through faith. We are saved, in other words, through faith. And this doesn't mean, faith here doesn't mean just belief. There is an element of conviction. But it's not a matter of just, oh, um, let me just think about ah. Yeah, yeah, I think it is true. And then, bing! Suddenly, that's what's needed—that kind of intellectual ascent. No, no, faith is much more uh, holistic. That faith is in trusting oneself. To God, And it's not just grounded in individual promises. Sometimes I think we can take individual promises to the Bible and it's like, I really want this. These are my dreams and desires and I'll grab this promise of God and use it like some kind of incantation as a way of getting what I want. No, no. Faith is grounded in God's whole purpose. It is the willingness to give yourself over to God's purpose in trust that God knows what's best for you. The greatest expressions of faith celebrated in the Bible are not those examples of people who got what they wanted from God. This does happen a lot. God answers prayer. He is faithful. He often gives us more than, uh, far more than we ever warrant in terms of goodness and, and so forth. But the greatest expressions of faith in the Bible are situations where people trust in God when they don't get what they want. And this is the emphasis of the famous passage in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 uh, says this, I'll just you can read this for yourself. I'm just going to take a couple of um, sections from this. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then he gives a number of examples. Of, of faith. And he actually focuses on uh, the faith uh, of Abraham. And having given these examples, he says in verse 13, all of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. Exactly the same language that Peter, in his letter, the Apostle Peter, uses about us. And reminding us thereby that we too are still looking forward. The fulfilment. Now is not the time where everything is going to be fulfilled. We're still mortal. We still live as broken people in a broken world. It's in the future that the fullness, the culmination of redemption lies. And we are to anticipate that, right? We're not, too, we're not to get too uh, entrenched or too um, connected. We're not to like this too much. We're to anticipate what is up ahead. Now, faith, according to Hebrews then, in its deepest expression is not believing that you will get what you want from God. Faith in its deepest expression is trusting God when you don't get what you want. As Job says, in the middle of that harrowing journey that Job in the Bible goes through, all the suffering that he goes through, he says in the middle of that amazing book, he says though he slay me yet will i trust him one of the greatest examples i mean there are examples of this this deeper faith that i'm talking about today there are examples of this throughout the book of psalms wonderful examples of this but i think one of the most stunning is in uh, Psalm 73, in Psalm 73, the psalmist uh, complains that as he is racked with uh, with with pain and, and and grief, and everything's going wrong, and his world seems to be crumbling, and he looks around him and he sees that all of these uh, all of these godless people around him, they know that they're prospering, you know, they're wealthy, healthy, and prosperous, and everything's going wrong with him. And he's thinking, but I trust in God. This shouldn't be the way. Like this, this, this is nonsensical. Like I trust in God. I should be going well. Things should be going well for me, not them. Isn't that how it's meant to work? Well, it just doesn't work like that. Because ultimate justice, we don't get ultimate justice in this life. Ultimate justice is still in the future. Anyway, he's he's complaining about this in the midst of his grief, in the midst of his unanswered prayers it says in the middle of Psalm 73, it says that he enters the sanctuary of God. He talks about how confusing this was for him. He talks about how he nearly lost his faith. And then it says, in the middle of the Psalm, it says, but then I entered the sanctuary of God. And I don't know what happened there, but he has some kind of encounter that completely changes his perspective around And he has this realization, and he says in that psalm, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And the earth has nothing I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail, he says, but God is the strength of my heart. That, folks, that is what faith looks like. That is deeper faith. It is that deep rest, that, deep, that sense of peace. When the storm is raging around, it's finding peace in the midst of the storm. That's deeper faith. Speaking of storms, you know the great uh, example, that great story of Jesus in Matthew chapter 8 when he's in the midst, uh, uh, he's, he's in, in the boat and with his disciples and there's a storm raging on the Sea of Galilee and the disciples are, are freaking out about this storm, right? And eventually, you know, we know the story because Jesus rebukes the storm, right? He was demonstrating the sovereignty of God, right? God's got this in hand, right? He's demonstrating God's sovereignty, but... While the storm is raging and the disciples are freaking freaking out about the storm, do you remember what Jesus was doing in the boat? What was he doing? He was asleep. He was at rest. In a biblical context, that means he was at rest. He had Shabbat Shalom. He had rest. He was in peace. In the middle of the storm, you know, Jesus demonstrates that connectedness with God. And this is what we see, actually, in the Psalms, which really the book of Psalms is, demonstrates what faith does, and particularly in those difficult circumstances. We see these examples, as I've quoted from Psalm 73, one example there. And the, the, the interesting thing about the Psalms, is that in all the terrible circumstances that they're in, there's plenty of Psalms that are written in just circumstances the like of which we probably could not even imagine. And yet in the midst of those circumstances, before even over and above even looking for God to change the circumstances, what you see again and again in the Psalms is that they are looking to find God in the circumstance. They're not looking for something; they're looking for someone. Again and again and again, it's God. I want to find you in the midst of this. And there are so many stunning examples of Psalms, like Psalm thirteen, for example, that begin with those um, those painful words. Uh, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart, right? And he says, look on me and answer. And then at the end of the psalm, he says this, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing of the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Before anything changes, folks, before anything changes, in the middle of the storm he finds peace and rest that is what a deeper faith looks like it's not a faith that it's not a faith that's about getting what you want it's a faith by which you are so completely given over to god so completely in god's hands in the midst of the storm that you just know that it's going to be okay not that it's Not that there's not going to be suffering, not that it's not going to be hard, but that God's purpose is an absolute sure thing. That is what a deeper faith looks like. Jesus, again, he demonstrates this connectedness with what God is doing I think sometimes you know we think about faith that you know like you can it's like this magic power you know you can get all the things that you want right because you've got this magic power and again as I said that's just makes it like this this stupid idea of manifesting actually faith is not about getting what you want it's actually being connected with what God wants And this is what we see in Jesus again and again. Not my will, he says, but your will be done. Even if I have to go through death and suffering, your will be done, Jesus says. He says in John chapter 15, truly I tell you, the son of man can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, so also the Son does. This is the faith. See, it's not this magic power that can do miracles. The reason that Jesus did everything that he, that he did was that he saw this is what God is doing, so therefore that's what I'm going to do. It was a faith that was so connected with God and what God was doing, his purpose in that circumstance. It wasn't some magic power. It was all about connectedness with God. And This is what Jesus in his humanity was demonstrating to us what it looks like to have that depth of connection with God. It wasn't about getting what he wanted. It was about being given over, completely entrusted to what God wants. That, again, is deeper faith. I used the illustration a number of times, uh, and I used it in that video of being deeply embedded in a river. You know, when you when you wade into a river and you've still got your footing and you're holding on to your footing and, and the you know the river wants to sweep you in, it's kind of you, you feel the current against your legs and the water gets stirred up, right? So everything's stirred up and it's kind of feels really sensational. And sometimes, sometimes our spiritual experience can be like that. At times it can be like that, and everything's stirred up and there's a bit of froth and bubble, and and you know, we love that because it's all really exciting. But you know what that's all about? Often that's about God trying to draw us into a much deeper place that ultimately looks much calmer. Because when you give up your footing and you're immersed in the center of the river, it looks like you becoming so completely one with the river, you flow where the river flows. And it's, it's, it's not about the sensationalism and about the froth and the bubble and no, it's about complete oneness with God. That's what faith is. It's that surrendered, being surrendered to God. And, you know, and, and it's that sense of trust. I know the river will flow through hard places. It will flow through through, uh, through rapids and I'll be hit against the rocks and, you know, uh, through all of those difficult times. But I know the river that flows in will flow out the other side. That's the way that I want to live, by faith. Because who knows what's up ahead for each one of us? Thank God he doesn't show us. Who knows what's up ahead? But listen, you can know this. This is our faith. That when I am at one with that river, when I am immersed in the flow of God, when I am one with what God is doing, I will flow in and I will flow out the other side. And I can be at peace as long as... I'm embedded in God. God is calling us for a deeper level of embeddedness in him so that whatever you flow through, you can know that as you go in, so you will come out the other side and it's God who carries you. Do you know every single day you have opportunities, small opportunities to exercise faith. See, we miss these Because we're looking for the big heroic things, right? We're waiting for these big heroic moments to, you know, to exercise faith when I've got to just really exercise my faith. When actually we miss all the time micro moments of trust in God. It's those moments in your, you know, maybe at work when, when, when things are difficult and, and actually what you just need to do is trust God with the outcome and you just do the right thing. You do the right thing in that situation. You put God's purpose first in that situation and then you trust God with the outcome. It actually can change the way that you act and react in circumstances when you trust God. Because you say to yourself, I'm not going to play God in this situation. I'm not going to force or manipulate or, no, I'm going to do the right thing and I'm going to trust God with the outcome. I guarantee you have opportunities every single day to respond like that and to exercise that kind of faith. One of the real key ways for me, uh, personally, because I'm, 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 I'm pretty tight with money, actually, if I, if I may, uh, confess. I know there are people out there who are such cheerful givers. You know, I've heard, uh, you know, people talk, oh, I just love giving away my money. It's like, well, great for you. That's fantastic. I mean, uh, you know, but I, I, you know, it's, it, it, it can be difficult, right? You know, because it's like, oh man, my money is, that's how we kind of keep control of our lives. And, and one of the most important gestures of faith for me is, is that, that moment uh, when, when I, I tithe a portion of my income. Tithing is the practice of sharing a portion of our income, we, we tithe to create a common purse. It's a way of creating community, and I believe that, and I'm committed to that, and so I tie the portion uh, of, my, of my income, and I tell you, you know it's, it's, it's real, it's the one, it's the thing in my life that most feels like faith. Because I'm really trusting God, you know, prices are going up and the interest rates, it's like, God, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just going to really trust you. And, you know, it's not like I'm trusting God that, you know, that if I give that money, then suddenly, you know, I'm going to hundredfold, is going to, you know, fall out of the sky and I'm going to get really rich, you know. like And sometimes, uh, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, we get... Um, uh, we sort of get that carrot swung before us. You know, if you give to God, he'll give back to you hundredfold. And I, and I think, you know, that, that can be, I think there's a sense of truth in that, in the sense that God knows if, if he can trust you with money, that money's not going to control you, then I think, you know, he, he, he will bless you. But you know what? Sometimes you give and you just have less. And that's okay because we need to learn to live with less and be content With what we have, you know, the richest man isn't the one that has the most, but the one who needs the least. And we need to learn actually to trust God and put God first. And man, uh, money is such a big part of our lives that if we're going to be serious about faith, tell me how you can be serious about faith and it not to affect what you do with your money. And so for me, that's a very important gesture of priority, And particularly faith. It feels like faith. And I have the opportunity to do that regularly. I recommend it. And I find every single day, in small ways, if I recognize it, because God so wants me to be connected with him in faith. He so wants me to flow with him and to find that peace. And so he always gives me opportunities to trust him. And most of the time, I don't like those opportunities. Sometimes I think we, it's like we pray to God, Lord, can you put me in situations where I won't have to trust you as much? Good luck with that prayer. No, God often does the opposite. He puts us in situations where we need to trust him more because the most important thing is faith. And I tell you, when you find faith, you find peace. You find rest. And sometimes it's like God has to wrench our fingers just, I mean, he sort of does this gently, but circumstances, you know, can cause us to have to let go of some of our securities. And he says, I just want you to hold on to me, to be completely surrendered to me. And it's so restful because all of those other things that we depend on, they're not reliable, are they? And we know it. And we have no psychological peace or spiritual peace at all from trusting those things. But when you are embedded, when you burrow into God, you know with all your heart and all your soul that nothing can thwart what God is doing in and through your life. It is a place of invulnerability. It is the only place of peace. And it's in trusting God. I'd like you to stand with me tonight. And I'd like us to commit ourselves again to this. As Christians, we commit ourselves to a life of faith, a life of trusting God. As Paul said, the righteous, those who are, if you're to be in in the right place, then you must live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. And I want to give us all the opportunity tonight to give ourselves over to God again. And maybe this is the first time for you. Maybe you've never really given yourself over to God. And I want to encourage you to use this opportunity tonight as I pray and as we sing this last song to make a commitment, to entrust your life to God. Whether you do this as a recommitment or a commitment tonight, let's do this together. You know, God is trustworthy. He can be You can trust him with your life and I plead with you, you must trust him with your life because the last person that should be in charge of your life is you. Best give your life to God because he's the only one that can be trusted with your life. So let's pray tonight and let's give ourselves over to God. Let's immerse ourselves. Let's let our footing go and immerse ourselves in that great river of the presence of God, that great river of the presence of God that flows. Lord, we surrender to you tonight. Lord, we release our footing. We take, we peel our grip off all of the false hopes that we hold on to. And tonight, Lord God, we choose to trust you give ourselves completely to you tonight, Lord God. Lord, draw us deeper into this faith, Lord God. Draw us deeper into this rest, Lord God, that we might find peace in the midst of all of the turmoil of this life, in the midst of the storm, Lord God. May we find rest, Lord.